Welcome to the Henderson County Performing Arts and Radio Show. Tonight we close out our radio season with a comical mystery entitled A Spoonful of Murder by Marcia Colbert, starring Fran Bardwell as Henrietta, Kara Davis as Mildred, Declan Phelan as Everett, and narrated by John Wilson. And please stay tuned after tonight's play for a special tribute to our late Executive Director Emeritus Dennis Gilmore. This production was recorded live with safe social distancing at the Henderson County Performing Arts Center And remember, tonight's performance, as well as all our radio plays, can be found on our podcast. And there's a link to that on our website at hickpackhcpac.org. Plus, a very special thank you to all our radio sponsors and actors this season, without whom we would have remained truly dark this past year. And a special thanks to Taylor Honey and Honey Media for their expertise recording and editing our original plays and doing the heavy lifting with our podcast. Hickpack will be back open for limited capacity audiences this spring with a live production of Dearly Beloved, so stay tuned for details on that. And now, A Spoonful of Murder. It's a rainy Sunday afternoon. Henrietta Johnson and Mildred Haversham, best friends, are enjoying a cup of tea in an unusual conversation. But, Mildred, it will put both of us out of our misery. You and me? I'm not miserable. No, silly. Him and me. He and I. Whatever. He's miserable. And his misery makes me miserable. This will make us both happier. Well, I just can't imagine anyone being happier dead. It's not natural. (laughs) Death is quite natural. Everyone dies eventually. But all right. Maybe I used the wrong phraseology. I'll be happier. He just won't have anything to complain about anymore. How's that? Better. But I just don't think it's the way to do things. I mean, I don't mind his being dead. He is crotchety, stingy, boring, and just plain mean sometimes. That's not my point. I just think it's not right to kill him. After all, murder is a crime. You go to jail. Or the gas chamber. And then where would I be? You're my only real friend. I don't have anybody else to talk to, or have coffee with, or go shopping with, or anything. What about me? Have you ever considered me in all this? Mildred, dearest, of course I have. In fact, you're one of the main reasons I want to kill him. How so? I don't want you to do it. Oh, oh, you'll come around to my way of thinking, pet. I'm doing it so you and I will have more time to ourselves, without anyone crabbing at us. And especially, no one crabbing at me. You can go home. I have to stay there and listen to it all day long, every day. I'm doing it for you as much as for me. Well, maybe so. But I still think it's a rather rash thing to do. Couldn't you just leave? You could always come live with me. I have plenty of room. We could cook together. You know how much you like my chicken pot pies. (laughs) I'm not sure Marie Callender's in the oven qualifies cooking, but I get your point. And no, I just couldn't leave. I don't get nearly enough Social Security to make it on my own. No, I need the insurance money. There's quite a lot, you know. Um, no, actually, I don't know. How much is there? Five hundred thousand dollars. 
Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, indeed. That is enough money to live on for, well, I can't quite work it out, but it would be for a very, very long time. (laughs) At our age, dear, it should see us through quite nicely with some leftover to leave to the Kitty Rescue Shelter. And, of course, Gretchen and Hildegard will have their own trust account. You would take care of my Gretchen? That's just too kind of you, Henrietta. Then again, if my cat takes ill-gotten booty from your crime, does that make her an accessory? And me too? Of course not, dearie. Cats like Gretchen and Hildegard can't be accessories to crimes. You, maybe, but I'm going to see that you are never implicated. But I'm your best friend, aren't I? How could I not be implicated? I'm the first person the cops are going to want to talk to. And besides, you're already talking to me about it. I'm implicated right now. I'm a terrible liar, and once they start grilling me, I just don't know. I'll crack. I'm not a brave person, Henrietta. There's a long silence, and Henrietta notices that Mildred has taken out a handkerchief from the sleeve of her purple cardigan sweater and is beginning to dab her eyes. Henrietta goes over to her friend, sits on the edge of the armchair, and gives her shoulders a comforting squeeze. Mildred, sweetie... What are you talking about? Uh, I've been just telling you about a murder mystery that I'm going to write. I'm just using my murdering effort as the beginning of the plot. It's all pretend. You didn't think I would really murder Everett, did you? Oh, my silly, silly friend. It's just a game? Just a game, dear. Oh, my. I was so worried. Murdering Everett just didn't sound like something you would do. Even if you have provocation, I'm not sure there is a jury in the world that would convict you after you told them all the horrible, boring nights you've had to spend with him, not to mention his constant belittling remarks. You've been a saint, that's for sure. Maybe you've been suppressing your feelings for so long you subconsciously decided to murder him. But if it's not a book, it might actually be a lot of fun. We've gotten way too set in our ways, you know. This could add some excitement to our humdrum lives. Indeed. And you can definitely help. I'll need all the assistance I can get. You know, I've never done anything like this before, but if Agatha Christie can do it, why not us? Henrietta got up after making sure Mildred was quite calm again. She began pacing the floor as she started putting her thoughts together. Exactly. I'll be your Captain Hastings or Dr. Watson. Aren't there any female detectives and sidekicks? Well, yes, absolutely. Remember Miss Marple? Of course, she usually worked alone. Who else? Let me think. Cagney and Lacey! Rizzoli and Isles! Oh, bravo, darling. I think Rizzoli and Isles may be in the wrong generation for us. But what do you think, who do you want to be, Cagney or Lacey? Oh, dear. I don't know which is which, but I think I'm more like the blonde than the brunette. The brunette had that terrible New York accent. I could never do that. Well, we don't have to do accents anyway. They'll just be our inspirations. What's wrong, Henrietta? You look puzzled. Or is it your gastritis acting up? No, I I was just thinking. We can't both be crime solvers. Why not? I was rather getting into this. Well, because one of us has to be the murderer. One of us has to think up the crime, right? 
and then the other has to solve it. No, no, that's not the way it works. Agatha thought up the crimes and then thought up how it was going to be solved. She had to do it all. Oh, right you are. Okay, then. If it's all right with you, I'll be Agatha and you be Miss Marple. Yes? Yes, that's brilliant. Oh, but I see a problem. Really? I thought we were all set. We are, except I can't knit. And you know Miss Marple always eavesdrops on folks while she knits, and she thinks about the case while she knits, and she solves the crime while she knits. I can't knit! <laughs> it will be all right, Mildred. We're just pretending. You can pretend to knit. Is that okay? Oh, yes. That will be just fine. In fact, I think I still have a set of needles from when I tried to learn ages ago. My sweet little grandniece tried to teach me once. She's such a sweet child. Takes after me, you know. Anyway, it just didn't take. But I kept the needles. They're great back scratchers, and I can fish things out from between the stove and the counter with them. I'll look for them straight away. If that makes you happy, dear. Now, I want to get started on this as soon as we can. Let's have coffee tomorrow morning here at your place. I don't want Everett listening in. Say about ten. I'll bring pencils and legal pads. I still can't figure out how that stupid word processor thing on the computer works. It never does what I want. Half the time it erases things, and then I can't get them back. It's just so frustrating. Now, what's wrong with putting pen or pencil to paper? I say it was good enough for Agatha Christie. It should be good enough for us. She didn't have a computer by George. Oh, sorry. One of my pet peeves. Nobody wants to write letters or cards. It's a lost art. My great-granddaughter can't even read cursive. They don't teach it in school anymore. A disgrace. A total disgrace. Oh, dear. I am ranting, aren't I? <laughs> now, what was I saying? You were saying how you would bring the pencils and legal pads to my house about ten. Right. Ten. Pencils? Paper? What else? Sounds perfect. I'll make some of those raspberry scones you are so fond of. <laughs> you mean you'll defrost some raspberry scones? <laughs> well, yes, but I still have to preheat the oven and set a timer. I should get credit for that, shouldn't I? Of course, dear. You get credit. I think that will help us with our inspiration. This is just so exciting. Oh, yes, it is exciting. But, Mildred, my sweet, not a word to anyone. This is going to be a big surprise. We don't want anyone to know until we're ready to make the big reveal ourselves. There's much work to do, and we can't have any busybodies nosing around trying to sneak a peek. Someone might even want to steal our ideas. That would never do. So, mum's the word, right? Well, <clears throat> if you say so, Henrietta, I would really like to tell Gretchen. I tell her all my secrets. She would be very upset with me if I didn't tell her about our plans. <laughs> well, of course you can tell Gretchen. I don't think Gretchen is going to let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> you can talk to Gretchen all you want about our plans and the plot. Whatever you like. Just make sure there are no human ears around to hear you. Is that a deal? Oh, yes. That is definitely a deal. No human ears. Got it. One more thing, Mildred. 
If we're going to write this together, we should probably have a contract. A contract? Why whatever for? Well, what if the book becomes a bestseller? Having a contract would protect both of us. You know, split the profits. Oh, I don't care about any profits. And besides, I thought this was just for fun. Isn't it? You're not planning to try to sell it, are you? Well, if it turns out really good, why not try to sell it? Agatha Christie made quite a handsome living off her books. You wouldn't turn down a little extra money, would you? No, of course not. I just never thought of selling it. Do you even know how to get a book published? I certainly don't. I don't personally know, but I have a second cousin twice removed who works for a small publishing company. She says they're always looking for promising new writers. It would be a place to start. Maybe we're putting the cart before the horse. We haven't even written it yet. Well, there's nothing wrong with looking ahead. Stranger things have happened. Look at Mrs. Fields. Is she the lady that just joined the women's club? I haven't really had a chance to get to know her. She does seem nice, though. <laughs> no, dear. That's Mrs. Fielding. And she does seem awfully nice. Although someone really needs to have a talk with her about the length of her hymns. I just think they're a little too short. She has knobby knees. Most unbecoming. Yes, I would have to agree with that. Oh, now I'm off track again. Mrs. Fields is a woman who started her giant cookie business by baking in her own kitchen. Then she went around and sold them to friends and office workers. Before she knew it, she was a gazillionaire. I don't get the connection. We're going to sell cookies with the book? <laughs> no, of course not. That was just an example of how things can start out small and get really successful with a little talent and a lot of luck. Oh, okay. I see now. That could happen to us. Well, if you say so. I'm not going to expect that, though. You know, if you don't expect big things to happen, then you won't be disappointed. And if you don't expect big things to happen, then they never will. Oh, my. Look at the time. Oh, Everett will be home from his lepidopterist meeting in an hour, and I haven't even started thinking about dinner. Any chance you've got a couple of those Marie calendars in the freezer? Oh, dear, I don't think so. Maybe he'd be happy with a salad tonight. Oh, Everett doesn't eat salads. Says he's not a rabbit. I'll think of something. Toodaloo! See you in the morning. Right you are. Don't forget your umbrella. It's still coming down out there. Opening her Kitty Rescue Shelter gift umbrella, which she got free with a $19 donation, Henrietta made her way down the sidewalk and started towards her own house, forgetting to dodge the puddles while thinking out loud, totally unaware that someone might hear her talking. Now I've got myself in a pickle. It never dawned on me that Mildred would be such a stickler for obeying the law. I mean, we've been friends for years, but when I barely mention the idea of knocking off Everett, she goes all moral on me. I'm going to have to think about this a little harder. The idea of the mystery novel just popped into my head to calm her down, but maybe I could actually make it work for me. Oh, oh, hello, Mrs. Vandiver. A lovely weather. For ducks. Henrietta, 
Henrietta! Where the devil are you, woman? Coming, Everett. I'm on my way. What can I do for you, dear? Well, you can come when I call you, for starters. Yes, dear. What were you doing, anyway? You know I don't like to be kept waiting. I was cleaning the bathroom with the toothbrush you instructed me to use. Hmm. Well, next time at least answer me. I did, dear, as soon as I heard you over the running water. Now, what is it? I'm leaving now for my lepidopterist board meeting, and I can't find my butterfly net. You must have done something with it. And I need my car keys as well. You must have moved those too. Your net is behind your study door where you put it yesterday. And the last time I saw your car keys, they were on your chest of drawers. Shall I get them for you? Yes, and be quick about it. I don't want to be late. I'm giving a very important report on our club's next speaker. Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? Who is your next speaker, dear? Someone from out of town? No, actually, I'm the next speaker. I'm reporting on the migration habits of the island marble butterfly, one of the rarest in all North America. But don't stand there gawking. Fetch my things and bring my umbrella as well. It might rain again. By the way, I'm lunching with an old college chum of mine who's in town, so I won't be home for several hours. Perhaps when I'm gone, you couldn't clean out my sock drawer. It really is in terrible disarray. I think you jumbled them up on purpose. Of course, dear. Henrietta was off to gather Everett's things and bring them back before he had a chance to think of something else to yell at her about. Here you are, dear. Have fun. With a resounding slam of the front door, he left. Upon my word, that man can't depart this mortal coil soon enough. I better get going or I'll be late to Mildred's. I've got to finalize my plans. Come to Mama, my elusive muses. Henrietta gathered up her riding supplies, her hat, and her umbrella. Whether there was sunshine or rain, she would be prepared. She scooted out the door with a little extra spring in her step. Come in, come in, whoever you are. Oh, just me, Mildred. Ooh, those scones smell scrumptious. Shall we talk a bit while we eat and have coffee? We can lay out the plot lines before we actually start writing. Oh, is that special literary writing talk? Plot lines? I like it. It sounds so professional. I guess I just picked it up somewhere. I've been reading about writing mysteries, you know. Henrietta had indeed been reading about writing mysteries, but her motivation was to get ideas of how to actually murder Everett without getting caught. That was the trick, not getting caught. Now she could use what she'd learned to write the book she'd hoped to turn into a reality. That's wonderful, Henrietta. You're way ahead of the game, then. You know just how we should proceed. Henrietta sat at the kitchen table, spreading out the materials she had brought while Mildred retrieved the scones from the oven. Would you be a dear and set the bread basket on the table? I'll just dump the whole batch of scones in there and we can munch as we work. Of course, dear. Which mugs would you like to use? I'll get those too. Whichever ones you think will give us the most inspiration. Maybe the kitty mugs, since Gretchen and Hildegard are going to be getting trust funds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretend trust funds. Mildred, remember? 
Oh, yes, of course. I just think it's such a lovely idea. We definitely need to keep that in the book. The two friends sat down to their late breakfast of raspberry scones and coffee and then began formulating the plot for Everett's demise. A game for one, but a devious plan for the other. Let's start with what we have, all right? Yes, that sounds wonderful. What do we have? Well, I'll make an outline and then we'll flesh it out, item by item. Flesh it out? Oh, that sounds absolutely diabolical. What does it mean? Well, it means we will write the words that detail what's in the outline. For instance, if one of the outline items is introduction, we might flesh that out with, it was a dark and stormy night. You see? So it's just the writing. The prose, you mean. It doesn't have anything to do with the actual flesh? Darn. No, dear. No actual flesh. Think of the outlines as the bones of the story and the prose as the flesh. Got it? Got it. Oh, this gets more exciting all the time. The ladies continued to work, eating scones and drinking their coffee. After about an hour, they surveyed their results. After having a chance to visit the powder room, both of them having consumed several cups of coffee. Let's see, let's see. All right, here goes. Outline item number one, introduction, subsets, setting and characters. Number two, chapter one, subsets, motivations for murder and potential victim. Number three, chapter two, subsets, red herrings. I still don't think I understand the herrings. Are they for dinner or lunch? Certainly not breakfast, although I have heard of people eating pickled herring for breakfast. Personally, it would turn my stomach. The very idea. Ugh. And besides that, I've never seen a red herring. They're always sort of gray, nasty creatures altogether. No, 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 no. Now, don't you remember? Red herrings aren't real fish, for heaven's sake. It's one of those literary terms I told you about. A red herring is a misdirection. It's supposed to throw the reader off the track so they don't guess the real murderer. Remember? We talked about it when we were making the second pot of coffee. Maybe. But putting fish into the story is just so distasteful to me. Couldn't they be red birds? They're much more pleasing. Mildred, there aren't going to be any fish or birds in the story. Okay, let's just forget about the red herrings. How's this? Chapter 2, Subset, Misdirection. Yes, I like that much better. No fish. I've always been afraid of eating fish, you know. Afraid of getting a bone caught in my throat and dying. Ugh, terrible. Gives me goosebumps just thinking of it. Yes, dear. No fish. The casual remark by her companion set Henrietta into a moment of reverie as she imagined the possibility of killing Everett with a bone in his fish stew. She immediately rejected the idea, however, realizing that she herself might as easily get the bone as Everett. No, a fish bone was not a practical murder weapon. So that's settled. What's next? Let me look. Yes. Next we have number four, which is chapter three, subsets. The murder and the discovery of the body. Do we know who did it yet? Well, actually, we don't even know how he died yet. 
We know who died and why, but not how or who killed him. What do you think? How should we kill him off? This particular detail had been niggling at Henrietta for quite some time, but it was the first time Mildred had considered the quandary. Indeed. How shall we kill him off? I suggest we spitball some ideas. Henrietta! The very idea! I keep a tidy house. I spend hours on my floors and countertops. I dust and vacuum every single day. I absolutely refuse to even entertain such a crude idea. Spitballs indeed. What are you thinking? <laughs> oh, Mildred, you're such a panic, my dear. You really do take the cake. Why? What do you mean? The naughty boys in school used to throw spitballs in history class. They were really awful. One caught in my hair once and I had to be excused from class. I was so mortified. Ugh, disgusting. Oh, darling, darling, calm down. We're not throwing spitballs. It's another one of those idioms writer people use. It means just tossing around some ideas. Not actual spitballs. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I would think you would know me well enough by now, Mildred Haversham, to know that I would never do anything like that in your home or mine. Or anyone's. Yes, of course, Henrietta. You're right. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you at all. I guess that's why I was so shocked. I'm better now. Let's talk about how to murder someone. With the catastrophe averted, the two friends again straightened themselves into their respective chairs to begin again. <laughs> I do have to admit the visual of you and I tossing spitwads at each other is comical. <laughs> 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 Maybe that's it. We could throw something at Everett and kill him. A rock? A poison dart? A knife? Or an axe? <laughs> well, great ideas. All of them. How good an aim are you? I'm terrible. When I was a girl, I never got to play softball. I had to sit on the bench most of the time. Couldn't throw. Couldn't catch. Besides... We'd have to be really close. Not sure I could do that with his looking straight at me. You're probably right. Where would we get a poison dart anyway? How about sneaking up behind him and bonking him on the head really hard with a vase or a statuette? I'm not strong enough to strangle anyone. Are you? And there's all that choking and gagging. Very distasteful. I'm with you on the strangling thing. Bonking him on the head would be difficult unless he were sitting down. He's at least a foot taller than me. Shooting is no good either. First of all, I haven't got a gun. They're all Everett's. Secondly, I, I don't know how to load one. And thirdly, I've never fired a gun in my life. I'd have to be right next to him. Then he'd either take it away from me or if I did manage to get a shot off, I'd get blood all over my clothes. Ooh, disposing of them would be a nightmare. My, this is getting complicated. How do these mystery writers do it? Indeed. And they don't just do it once. They crank out those books once or twice a year like clockwork. Where do they get their ideas? They must spend an awful lot of time thinking about how to kill people. Pretty macabre. Indeed is right. We can't even think of one way to do it. 
and I would have to say we are both pretty smart people. I know you certainly are, Henrietta. Oh, thank you, dear. I think you are an exceptionally bright as well. We just have to put our little gray cells to work, like Monsieur Perrault says. Yes. Maybe it would help if you paste and I'd knit. How about if I wash the dishes and you paste, since you don't actually know how to knit? <laughs> right you are, Watson, or whoever. Cagney? So Henrietta started washing mugs, plates, the baking pan, and silverware, while Mildred paced, straightened the tablecloth, and gathered the scattered papers on the table. This is hard work. Oh, I would have gladly washed, sweetie. No, no, I I'm fine with the dishes. I meant killing someone is a lot of hard work. Hmm. Uh, I mean, even if, it if it's only pretend, you know. Yes, we are finding <laughs> that out, aren't we? <laughs> It's the next morning, and Henrietta and Everett are sitting at the kitchen dinette table finishing breakfast. The eggs were runny. Scrambled eggs shouldn't be runny. If I wanted runny eggs, I would have asked for over-easy. But I didn't ask for over-easy, did I, Henrietta? No, Everett. You didn't ask for over-easy, I'm sorry. I misjudged the doneness of the eggs. I'll try to do better. And while you're trying to do better, you might address my sock drawer again. If you touched it, I certainly couldn't tell. You know I like them arranged in alphabetical order by color. You have the gray before the black and the white stuck in every which way. How hard can it be? You do know your colors in your alphabet, do you not? Yes, dear. More coffee, dear? Yes. And none of that artificial sweetener you're always trying to foist off on me. I want real sugar. Pure white sugar. That other stuff is appalling. Tastes like metal. Yes, dear. Uh, it's just that we're out of sugar. A and you know the doctor wants you to cut down on sugar because of your diabetes. So I didn't think it was terribly important. Well, that's what you get for thinking. It is important. Uh, yes, dear. I haven't wanted to go to the store the last couple of days. The, the weather has been miserable. You always have an excuse. Get sugar today. I'll not suffer through another breakfast without sugar for my coffee. The doctor be hanged. Yes, dear. Henrietta placated Everett as best she could. If she ever contradicted him or tried to explain her point of view, it made him furious. As horrible as he was on a day-to-day -day basis, when he actually got cross, he flew into an absolute rage, to the point that Henrietta feared for her physical safety. Once he even kicked Hildegard. Unforgivable. But now, as he continued to rant and she continued to play the submissive wife, she began to feel the first flutter of her own butterfly, almost ready to escape its cocoon and emerge with a full-fledged idea. Henrietta, are you listening to me? Yes, of course, dear. Sugar and socks. You're hopeless. I was telling you I won't be home for supper. I'm working on my speech at the club today, and I'll stay there for dinner. Their cooking is far superior to anything you've been able to put in front of me in decades. Why don't you enroll in a cooking school? 
It would do me a lot of good. Save my whole digestive tract from rack and ruin. Yes, dear. Hmm. Everett slid back his chair on the wood floor, making a terrible squeal like fingernails on a blackboard. He then stomped out of the kitchen, walked down the hall, picked up his briefcase, and slammed out of the house. Henrietta remained in her seat, both elbows on the table, her coffee cup balanced between both hands, sipping in time to the gears in her head, turning slowly, slowly. And then everything clicked into place. She rose and quickly went to the phone, dialing from memory. Mildred! Mildred! I've got it! I've got the plot. How to kill Everett. Uh, in the book, I mean. Oh, can you come over? He's gone for the day and most of the night. Hurry! Come as quick as you can. Oh, and bring all the notes. Quickly! Henrietta hung up the receiver and started cleaning up the breakfast dishes in double time. She then put on her jeans, a sweatshirt, and a baseball cap. She wasn't fooling around. This was serious. After brushing her teeth, she put on another pot of coffee and set out the ginger snaps Mildred liked. Her friend had an insatiable sweet tooth, just like Everett. Coming! Coming! Well, good morning, and what's going on? Why the panic? Oh, not panic, dear. Urgency. Come, come, coffee's on, cookies out. We need to get going ASAP. I don't want to lose my inspiration. Did you bring all our notes? Yes, of course. They're all here. As Everett was griping at me this morning, I had the most incredible idea. Sugar. The answer is sugar. I don't know why I didn't think of it sooner. Okay, sugar is the answer. What's the question? How to kill Everett, of course. Don't you see? Not yet. Help me a little. Everett has a sweet tooth the size of a barn. He was admonishing me for running out of sugar and lecturing me about how artificial sweetener wasn't the same. He had to have the real thing because the artificial stuff tastes like metal. Well, on that point, I totally agree with Everett. Whoever invented that other stuff should be run out. No, never mind that, Mildred. He's actually supposed to use the other stuff because of his diabetes. He's overweight, but he won't cut back on anything. He has no willpower. He'll be fat until the day he dies. I struggle with the same thing. I just can't seem to push away the sweets. Just like these ginger snaps and last night... Mildred, I Mildred, I, I sympathize with your struggle. Really, I do. Try to focus. We need to talk about the murder. I, I mean, the murder plot for the book, of course. You're going to kill him with sugar? His diabetes will get really bad and he'll eventually go into a coma and die? I don't know anything about writing a mystery novel, but judging from the ones I've read, I don't think that would make for much of a page-turner, dear. No, not the sugar. The other stuff. Slow down, Henrietta. I'm not on the same page. Remember, I just got here. Okay. Just hear me out. It struck me that our murder could be a poisoning. It's actually the weapon most women choose. And while I don't like to be predictable, it could work. Everett is supposed to use the other stuff for his coffee, not real sugar. What if I put... I, I mean, we put in the book... 
that the real sugar has poison in it. But he's not supposed to use sugar. And besides, wouldn't he taste it? The poison, I mean. No. No, I don't think so. I'll, I mean, the wife, character in the book, will tell him the doctor called a checkup on him to make sure he was cutting back on his sweets. The wife is supposedly just passing on the message, but makes it sound like it's a matter of life and death. But... Let me finish, dear. Everett, the husband, promises to do better and starts putting the other stuff in his coffee. She, the wife, starts baking with it, using it instead of sugar for everything. The husband starts to get used to the taste, but he still craves sugar. Meanwhile, the wife happens to mention that there are mice in the cabinets. He ignores her, of course, tells her to get an exterminator or something, but he doesn't want to be bothered with it. He tells her to handle it. So she does. She puts poison in with the sugar in the bowl in the cabinet, thinking only the mice will get to it. <laughs> At least that's her alibi. Edward can take the other stuff just so long, and one morning, while his wife isn't in the room, he puts real sugar in his coffee. She comes in the kitchen and finds him dead on the floor. So what do you think? Oh, my goodness. There's such a long pause, Henrietta begins to worry. Is this plot unworthy? Or is Mildred just totally shocked that her best friend could come up with something so devious and deadly? Mildred? Mildred? Are you all right? Is the plot just a terrible idea? Henrietta, you've done it! It's brilliant! Oh, Henrietta, I just can't believe how good it is! It's simple, but effective. And best of all, tidy. And, well, I think it's just perfect. The two hugged and danced around the kitchen like schoolgirls around a maypole. Then they spent the rest of the next two months fleshing out the book. Henrietta was so excited about the way the book took to shape, she hardly took any notice of Everett and his constant haranguing. She was happy, and nothing Everett did could cause her distress. The book took on a life of its own. As it turned out, Henrietta's second cousin, twice removed, took the finished manuscript to her boss, and he loved it so much, he gave the women a $20,000 advance on royalties, which, after some argument from Mildred, they split 50-50, having never gotten around to making up a contract. Mildred set up a Kitty Rescue Shelter Foundation, and Henrietta took her share of the advance and rented a condo, leaving Everett to fend for himself. Then late one night. Hello? Yes, this is Henrietta Johnson. Yes, I'm the wife of Everett Johnson, but we're separated. Why, yes, I am the author of Spoonful of Murder. Why? Who is this? Oh, the police. I is there something wrong? <gasps> oh, my. Yes, I'll, I'll get dressed and be right over. Mildred? Wake up, Mildred! What? H who? Henrietta, is that you? 
What's wrong? It's the middle of the night. He's dead. Everett's dead. And I think I'm in trouble. Oh. Oh, my. What happened? Well, remember when we were writing the book? I don't think I mentioned it, but I physically went through all the steps just to make sure it was authentic. I wanted everything to be just right. I never told Edward what we were doing. You know, he had no interest. All he cared about were his butterflies. But I told him about the doctor call, just like in the book, and the mice, and I put the poison in the sugar bowl in the cabinet. Well, then the book sold, and I got caught up in all the excitement. And Edward had been so good about using the other stuff, I totally forgot the poison was in there. I forgot to remove the poison from the sugar bowl. He's dead, Mildred. He's dead. And I didn't even mean for it to happen. William Shakespeare, from the play, As You Like It. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women are merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. Dennis Gilmore, our former executive director emeritus of the Henderson County Performing Arts Center, was such a man, playing many parts in his long career and changing many lives along the way. Dennis was many things to many people, always directing, encouraging, and challenging the budding thespians in our community. He made a big difference, as evidenced by the unusually large number of kids in the YES program who went on to careers in theater. Through Dennis's leadership, the Henderson County Performing Arts Center has become one of the premier community theaters in Texas. So Dennis, from your East Texas Pathology Theater family, we just wanted to say thank you. And now here's Cameron Griffiths and Maria Ogburn. I never had the pleasure of knowing Dennis, but it was through this theater of his that I met Dr. Ogburn and eventually got the great job working for him that I have now. I was on the verge of being homeless when I got the job, and without the theater, I would not have met Dr. O, and my birds and I would have been out on the streets. So, Dennis... You helped save us from what would have been a horrible situation, and you have my deepest thanks for that. Dennis was one of the best directors I ever worked with. He could be funny, he could be stern, and it turns out that the actors that he criticized the most were the ones that he really liked. And it took me a little while to figure that out but he always knew how to put a show together. Dennis was brilliant at that. And yet 
Everyone really, really liked him. He was just like the glue that held the theater together. And when he left, it was difficult to keep the theater running. I really miss him, and I know that he brought so much joy into so many lives. And he really helped so many young people with theater. He was just an incredible man, and I will never forget him. Dennis, your theater family will always love and cherish your memory, and we will never forget the exceptional talent and dedication you brought to our little town. To paraphrase Henry, the great Shakespearean actor in the musical The Fantastics, Dress the stage, Dennis. Dress the stage. <laughs>